going to be in Luke chapter 8 this morning. We're kind of picking up in the middle of a, a parable, a teaching of Jesus and his explanation of it. Uh, for some of you that were here last week, it's going to feel like a, uh, um, a review, but for those of you that weren't here, you'll be able to follow along as well because we'll, we'll cover several of the things uh, that we, we talked about last week. So we're going to jump right in. It's a long passage. We're going to get all the way through verse 21 today. We're going to start in verse 4. Uh, if you have a smart device, you can get the Version app and follow along with the notes there. Or if you're old school and you need a Bible, the, it's on page 864 in the Bibles in the chairs. You're welcome to have those if you don't have your own. love for you to have a copy of the Word because we do believe it is the Word that works. In fact, we're going to make reference to that again today. All right, well, let's begin reading. Begin reading in chapter 8, verse 4. Jesus said, or the, the word says, And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, as it grew, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no Moisture And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now here we are, we're going to stop and just set the stage and kind of step back into this experience. Jesus had been going around town to town, teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. He was being uh, followed by the 12 apostles, several women that's called out uh, in the verses previous to this. And then crowds are gathering around him. We learn in Luke that, or not in Luke, in Mark, that the crowd was so big and so close to him that he, this is one of those moments where he stepped out into a boat and pushed out away from the land and in the lake is out teaching and teaching back towards the beach and, and speaking to people. And he tells us that he teaches, in this moment, he teaches in a parable. And I want to remind you of what a parable is. It's the, the definition we're using is from R.C. Sproul. I think it's one of the best ones I've come across. It's a, a story that's told, not for its entertainment value, but to teach a truth or to communicate a moral lesson. Like he's not, Jesus isn't teaching about this soil and seed and sower simply so that he can make people like him. He's not trying to make them laugh. He's not, he is trying to teach them truth, communicating moral reality. That's what he's doing. At the end of his teaching, he stops and he says, he, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as we studied the parable last week, our emphasis was on the power of God's word. In fact, we called it the word that works. That was the Title of the message, and I use that phrase over and over. Hopefully that's stuck in your head. And, and there's this moment as a result of Jesus coming to this place where he has is, he is said the sower goes out and sows his seed, and the seed produces fruit in, uh, in, in, the, in the soil that is uh, prepared and ready. In, in that moment, we see, we see the power of God's word to do the work that he intends it to do. It always accomplishes its work. So we see his sovereign power. But when Jesus comes to this phrase and says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, he introduces us to this beautiful tension that's all over the scripture. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. In particular, in this place, our responsibility not just to be exposed to the word, not just to, to be in proximity 
to it, but to truly hear it. We are all responsible to truly hear. You know, there's a difference, right? I mean, Cameron and Tristan, my two sons, they can, they can uh, testify to this. There's a difference between hearing and really hearing. When they were growing up, they'd be trying to get my attention. Dad, 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 dad. And I just would never say anything. I, I would hear that in the back of my mind. I'm mean, like, I'd, I could feel it bouncing off my eardrums, right? But I wouldn't say anything. And finally, Amy would like shake me. Seth! Oh, I'm supposed to be here. But she can attest to it as well. We'll be having a conversation. She'll, she'll tell you this, that we can be having a conversation. I can even be responding in the conversation. And then later, we'll be talking, and I'll ask some question that demonstrates I never heard a word she said. You see, there's a difference between hearing and truly hearing. And that's what he's calling us to. In fact, I would suggest that this is not just some, some uh, cursory idea, but this is the very principal point that Jesus is making. The power of God's word is is, is primary, but so is the hearing of God's word. In fact, Joel Green in the New International Commentary for the New Testament writes this, that genuine hearing is the principal theme of this narrative section is evident from the melody that weaves its way through the sometimes disparate or diverse material. You're going to hear this over and over as we continue to read today. He's calling out for people to hear, not just, not just to listen, but to hear. Now, he's, he's going to, to talk about people who, having heard, they don't understand in verse 10. He's going to talk about the, the ways that the soil represents people and the way that they've heard in verses 12, 13, 14, and 15. He's going, to, he's going to point out and call us to be careful how we listen in verse 18. Be careful how you listen. And then in verse 21, it's going to summarize, be summarized by a final statement about those who hear, who truly hear the word of God. And so we don't want to miss the, the, the power of God's word. That we, that's why we spent so much time focusing on it. But we couldn't move on without me bringing to you and showing you that, that alongside Jesus' teaching on the power of God's word is his call and his position that we are responsible to truly hear it. So it brings us to the main point, the point from which I am preaching today, the point at which I am aiming today. The word of God is powerful but only produces eternal life in the heart that truly hears. Be careful then how you hear. So before we go any further, before we read any more, are you listening? Not, 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 not are you, okay, I can hear his voice. Like, not are you listening the way I listen to my kids and sometimes to my wife as much as I hate to admit that. Are you hearing? Are you tuning into other channels? Let me tell you, there is no more important thing for you to think about or focus on or consider 
in these moments. Be careful how you hear. If you want to experience fruit from God's word, you are responsible to truly hear God's word. Let's keep reading. Verses 9 and 10. When his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. What a special blessing. You know, you've been blessed with this, to, to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing, they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. Hearing, they may not understand. And see, Jesus used parables. We talked about this last week. I just want to set it out again. Jesus used parables for, parables for a twofold purpose. For some, he, he, he taught in parables that they would reveal truth. And for others, it would be that it would conceal the truth. And, and it would come, and we're going to see this play itself out. It would come as a result of how they heard. Whether or not you were able to hear or understand would, would result, be, be resulting in how you Heard how you're listening. So again, are you listening? Are you hearing? He goes on. In verse 11 he says, Now, the parable is this. So he moves from this place of, Okay, I'm going to explain the parable to you, but first I'm going to tell you why I'm explaining, or why I'm using parables. And then he begins to actually explain it. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Doesn't even mention the sower. Doesn't mention his dynamics or his charisma or his his methodology. He just simply talks about the word. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Not just the things that they prioritize, but the the pleasant things. The cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. It's this, this, this beautiful explanation of, of what Jesus is pointing out, what, 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 he is, what he's teaching them in this parable that hid the truth for some, from some and would reveal it to others. And last week as we talked about it, I, I categorized it in three different groups. Jesus gives us four soils, and, and I don't think it's an exhaustive list, and I don't think it's... It's, uh, it's going to explain every type of response that could be uh, made to his word. But he gives us four soils to look at and think about. I categorized them for, for you in three ways last week. The, the no response group, which is really a, a response, you know, rejection is a response. Uh, the, the temporary response, those who would respond for a period of time, but it wouldn't last. And then the enduring, enduring response, those who would, who would respond from now on. Like it was once it started, it never stopped. But today, I want to I draw back a little further and take these four soils and, and, and not think of them in terms of three categories, but to think of them in terms of two. Because that's really what Jesus is doing. He's talking to us about those who hear and those who don't 
hear, those who truly hear, who genuinely hear, and those who don't. And the first group, the first group is the group that don't really hear it. They, it, it, it may bounce off of their eardrums. His voice and the sound waves from it may bounce off of their eardrums, but they don't really hear it. And they're re- represented by these first three soils. And, and, and today I want to point out a nuance. I didn't do this last week. I want to point out a nuance in the text today with the prepositions he uses to, to describe them. First, there's the, the no-response group, the, the soil that, that's hard. It lands, uh, it's along the, the, the path. And it demonstrates that along the path, there's a, there's a proximity to it. There's a proximity. We're, we're, we're close to the word. The, the soil that's ready and prepared is, is close to the word. But really, where it falls is on the hardness of our hearts. And we reject it. And the enemy comes along and takes it away. And, and, and here's the reality. This person is not able to be saved. They're left alone and empty and, and hopeless, powerless in the world, with, no, with, with no, no confidence or no certainty in, in this world that's constantly changing and shifting. <clears throat> Proximity to God's word isn't enough. Having it alongside us doesn't do any good. A Bible on a bookshelf is useless. You can sit in the chair in front of you each week as you sit in this room. But if we never hear the word, if we never truly hear it, it'll be taken away from us. The next is, is, is one of those temporary responses that we talked about last week. It's a superficial response, but Jesus says it's the, it's the seed that fell uh, not, not along the path, but on the rock. It landed on it, but it couldn't get down in it. It couldn't make, a, make, its he- it couldn't make any headway. And so, so it's kind of like having knowledge of the word. Like I heard it once and it sounded pretty good. It made a little bit of logical sense as I kind of thought about it and thought through it. But it never progressed anywhere from my head to my heart. So this kind of person can quote verses and they can tell you about what the Bible says, but they don't understand what it means. It might seem like they believe because you can be fooled by their knowledge. But it never makes it from their head to their hearts or out their hands. To being able to quote verses from God's word doesn't save us. We must, be actually, to, we must actually believe it. We must actually believe the words that, that we are quoting. It's an unfortunate reality that in a, in, a, in, a, in a nation that has been as Christianized as ours, we, in, in a city that is religious as ours, we deal with these people every day. They know the Bible, but they don't really believe the Bible. And you can see it because when the difficulty comes along, When the trouble begins to happen, which it happens to every last one of us, there's no one who escapes difficulty in this life. The fruit of his work isn't evident in their life. They're Christians when it's easy. They're Christians when they're getting what they want. But they'll set that aside in order to get more of what they want. 
if the word isn't giving it to them. Our faith is proven out not in the ease and the comfort of life, but it's through the difficulties we face. So these people, they, they hear, but they don't truly hear. They seemingly believe, but they don't really believe. And at some point in their life, they will wither up and die. They're superficial because the word landed on them but never made its way into them. The third group that Jesus points out is another temporary category, but it's also another category in which people aren't really hearing. This person hears, seemingly responds, even maybe there's an appearance of some fruit. Like this person, they hear it, and, and, and yeah, it sounds really good. They respond, and they're happy about it. And maybe they have some tears. Maybe they get baptized. Maybe they, they, for a period of time, live the life. But notice where the seed falls. It doesn't even talk about making it into the soil. It says that it falls among the thorns. It never really made it into the heart. It, 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 it's, not, uh, it's, it's not along the path. It's not on the rock. It's among thorns and, and, and weeds. And, and the reality is, is what this is, is a person who's never learned to prioritize the, the, the word of God. Who's never separated out the word of God from all the other things in their life that they love and care about. Who's never given up their worldly pursuits. And so they continue after things like work and relationships and family and money. And the things that money can buy. And entertainment and leisure. And sometimes very noble causes. They look on the outside as if, wow, they're an amazing person. Look at all they're doing for people in the world. But underneath it, there's a a worldly motive, a selfish motive, a a personal kingdom motive. See, this, this, this person's life is never reprioritized around or by The word of God. God's word is not meant to be a priority among other priorities. If it's not first, then it's no different than anything else in your life. And there is no power, no lasting, enduring power in that. And again, in a city that's so religious... How often do we find ourselves in the presence of people that will eventually prove this to be how they've come to the word or how they approach the word of God? We have noble pursuits. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm just so busy. I can't pray and I can't read the word and I really don't have time to be at church because I'm so busy. What are your priorities? What is most important to you? They don't even have, they don't even have to look bad. Cares and leisures and, and, and entertainments. I forget exactly how it says it, but, but the things that are, that are pleasurable that seem good. We must give primary place and priority in our life to God's word if we are going to enjoy the life-giving power of God's word. Brothers and sisters, hear me. You don't have time 
to not be in the word. You don't have time to, to be displacing it. All these things that we would pursue in life are empty and meaningless if we don't hear, truly hear God's word. They will lead us to death. The sad truth is we'll look good all the way there. And because we look good, nobody will care enough to get involved in the mix with us. I love you too much. Sad reality is that there's in this room, there's, there's these three soils represented more than likely. I, I, don't, I don't know who you are. I, I can't see that way. It's not just this room. It's, it's not going to just be this room the next hour, the next service. It's, 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 the, it's churches all across Springfield. The power is in the word of God. We desperately need to hear his word. Not opinions, not perspectives, not experiences, not stories. We need God's word. Jesus says the seed is the word of God. That's where the power of life is. And make no mistake, he is as capable to save someone through the preaching of Exodus or Ecclesiastes as he is capable of saving someone through the preaching of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The word of God works. And it will either bring judgment or it will bring grace. But I plead with you that you would truly hear it, that you would listen close. I long for your good. I long for your life. And the only way we'll enjoy this life is to hear the word. We are responsible to truly hear the word. So I plead with you. As much as in, is in your power to do it, be represented by this final soil. This one last soil, the enduring response, the fruitful response, this person hears. Jesus says up in the parable, he says that some fell into good soil. It made its way into the heart. It, it, it went into the person. It's not along, it's not on, it's not among. It's in the person. It's in their heart. It's in the depths of who they are. This person hears. It, 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 it bounces. The sound waves bounce off of their ears. Their eardrums vibrate. It makes its way into their mind and into then their heart such that it transforms their life. It makes its way out it's their, their, their hands. It's, it's transformative. It's, it's life-changing, if you will. Have you ever seen the show Running Wild with Bear Grylls? It's, it's a show where celebrities go at Bear Grylls and he puts them in these survival circumstances and situations. And, and, and there's always a point, you know. He, puts, he pushes them, he tests them, he, he puts them in places where they're uncomfortable. And then after that, he sits down with them. It's kind of at an evening setting. They're about to eat some nasty food that he's picked up off the ground somewhere. <clears throat> and, and he begins to talk to them and have meaningful conversation. And he begins to ask questions so, to, to try to give people an idea of why they are who they 
are. And they share experiences and they talk about the, the things that changed their life and, and were transformative. And they always leave the show talking about how, the, how that experience with Bear out in the wilderness is another mark on that roadmap of their life and how it's transformative, how it's life-changing, how their life in the wild is, has changed them in some way. That has nothing on this there's so many things we talk about. Oh, this, this is this, this is that. It made me who I am. This is even bigger. This is the biggest. This is the highest, the most powerful. The word of God is transformative from a whole new perspective on a whole new scale. This heart that truly heard was brought to life. It was nothing but dirt and soil. And it was, yes, it was tealed up. Yes, it was prepared. Yes, it was made ready. But it was dirt. And when the seed fell into it, it produced life. It brought fruit out into existence. It did something that the, the heart ready to hear couldn't do on its own. The word fell into it and, and it made that person alive. It put life where life wasn't. This is the power of God's word in the heart that hears. The heart that truly hears, that genuinely hears. So please, be careful how you hear. It's what Jesus has been building towards all along. He wants his disciples, he wants his hearers to truly hear. He shows them the power of God's word, but he, but he shows them their responsibility, their personal responsibility to listen, to genuinely hear what he's saying. The one who hears God's word and believes God's word will be made alive, not for a time, not in appearance, not for, for the good days and not the bad days. They will be made alive forever. So are we listening? Are we paying attention? Are we truly hearing? What should we be looking for? What, what, what is the fruit that we're looking for? What, what, what are we hoping to see happen? What should become the natural reality of that which he does in us? The power of his word at work in us. What happens because of that? What, what, what are some markers he doesn't leave us hanging. He actually continues to explain. Now, it's broken up into a, another section. If you're reading inside a, a Bible, you'll see probably another subheading. And so it almost makes us believe that there's this another, uh, other moment that's about to happen. But, but tied right to this, as for that, in verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. That's the heart that hears. That's the heart that responds and, and, and bears fruit that is given life. But he doesn't stop explaining. So he's continuing in the next verse to explain the parable that he taught earlier in the day. 
No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. There's a mixed metaphor here. Like he was talking about soil, he was talking about seed, he was talking about, about the power of the word and the responsibility here. He's mixing his metaphors. He says, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. Be careful how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then... His mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. What are we, what are we looking for? What does the word of God do in us? What does the word of God do through us? The heart that truly hears God's word will bless others with God's word. You see it in verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar. God didn't set you. He didn't put life in you. He didn't get his seed into your heart that it might bear fruit so that you could simply feel better about yourself. He put life in you for his glory, your good, and the advancement of his gospel. The reality is the one who has been sown in should at some point begin, not should, will at some point begin sowing. The candle that's lit will bear light in the room. The one who's been made a disciple, truly made a disciple, will make disciples. So I, I, I dealt with this years ago. I struggled with, with, with uh, man, we're not multiplying. How do we multiply? And I was looking at processes and, and, and methods of multiplication. And, and somebody asked me, it was another pastor, actually it was Lane from LifePoint. He didn't ask me, he just told me. Because that's how he does. He just told me, well, you're not making disciples. I was like, no, the church is growing. We're just not, you know, we're not seeing salvations like a, would like us to uh, long for us to see people coming to know uh, Christ and being made. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're missing what I'm saying. If you've made a true disciple, that true disciple will make disciples. You see, God didn't put a light in you so that he could hide you under a bed. And the truth is, he can't. You can't be hidden under a bed. If you get hidden under a bed, you set that place on fire. If, if you're hearing the word of God, at some point you will speak the word of God. Now, I'm not saying you're all preachers. That's not all our role. Not every one of us are meant to be preachers. But you will be involved in his mission in the church to, to continue to bring people into restoration, to continue to shape and sanctify people, make them look like Jesus. So you'll use the word to encourage, to bless, to, 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 to bring people to deeper understanding of, of their sin and his, his power in the gospel. And you'll, and you'll be a person who the word, you can't help but, but talk about it because it, it, it amazes you so much. And, and you'll be used in the church and out of the church. 
I have a, a friend, an acquaintance, his name is Jonathan Dotson. He's another Acts 29 pastor. He's out of Austin, Texas. He talks about this. He says this quite a bit. He says, we talk about what we are taken with. The thing that moves us, the thing that excites us, we talk about. That's why we're so quick to talk about our shows on Netflix or you know, whatever, whatever series you're following on television. Because they excite us. When we truly hear the word of God, I'm not talking about just hearing, just casually listening to it. I'm talking about truly hearing it. He puts it in us that we will then talk about it. And not ourselves, it's not us. It's the word of God at work in us and the word of God at work through us. It's kind of like an apple tree. Apple trees, they bear apples seasonally. You know, like every year you can be pretty sure if you've got a good apple tree, you're going to get some apples. And we get, to, we get to enjoy those apples. I mean, the apples are good, right? Apple a day keeps the doctor away. It's good. We get apple pie. We get apple sauce. We get apple butter. We get... What else? We get all kind of good stuff. But what benefit is the apple to the apple tree? We should be benefiting one another with the word of God so much that you're not looking for your own benefit or for your own selfish gain anymore because the word of God is blessing. We should be a people who are mutually blessing one another so that we can enjoy one another's apple butter, apple pies, apples, and and whatever other apple we have to offer because the word of God has borne fruit in our hearts and our life. The heart that truly hears God's word is, is will bless others with God's Word. Second, he points out that the heart that truly hears God's word is proven true by God's word. Verse 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Now, the first time I heard somebody talk about this passage, I, it was some pretty poor doctrine, some pretty poor theology, pretty poor misunderstanding of, of what this text and the context is saying. And they, they, they presented it to me, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't just me, it was a sermon being preached presented it to me as this, as this picture that when we stand in judgment, like there's going to be this screen and all of our, all of our secret, saint, shameful, sinful things are going to be playing on this screen for everybody to see. And I was like an immature Christian. I was scared to death. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much wrong in me. What if everybody knows this stuff? Well, what I think Jesus is getting at has nothing to do with making sure that everybody knows how shameful you are. The reality is the Bible tells us we're all pretty shameful, right? We, we, don't, have, we don't have to know the details. I'm a pretty shameful person apart from Christ. You're a pretty shameful people apart from Christ. Don't believe me, we can talk about it later. It's in the, it's in the word. Just, just accept it for now. We can argue about it later if you, wanna, if you want to. I think what Jesus is getting at here is that you can't hide the truth. At some point, the word of God will prove that you are a, a, a fair-weather Christian. It will prove that you have priorities other than the Lord Christ or that you are uh, hard-hearted. And in all three cases, you have not truly heard the word and you deserve his judgment. And you cannot hide the truth that life is born out in the heart that truly hears. 
it will reveal itself. And Jesus teaches this a couple of other times in a couple of other places, a couple of other ways. The, the over, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like if all a person is is angry and full of venom and vile and, and hatred towards people, like they never have a good word to say, but the characterization of their life is hate. Well, what's that say? Have they heard, truly heard the word? He says in Matthew 7, 17, you know a tree by its fruit. Good trees bear good fruit. He's talking about false apostles, and he's trying to help his people see and, and understand how you'll know the difference between true and false apostles. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad ones bear bad fruit. The truth will be known. It'll be seen. It'll, be, it'll become evident. And he goes on in John chapter 13, verse 35. They will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Not a description or not a definition of love by the world standards, but by, by the word's standards. Here's the thing. We don't, we don't accomplish Jesus' definition of these words apart from his word at work within our hearts. God's word, it becomes our certificate of authenticity. It becomes our certificate that proves we are genuine. What's the word doing in you? What's the word doing through you? Is it proving itself? Is it proving you true? Or are you sitting here in the midst of this, hearing this and feeling conviction and recognizing you need to come to repentance? Even that, brothers and sisters, even repentance is a godly, good response. Otherwise, we're going to place this alongside all the other priorities of our life. Turning from them is good. I'm often hesitant to use things like this because I don't know who in the room might have shared it. I just saw something on Facebook. and If you shared it, liked it, uh, uh, posted it or, or whatever. I, I'm not trying to offend you or that, that's not my intent, but I saw something that, as a while back. It was a picture. It was a picture and, and on it there was, they will know you by, and then it had a bunch of words crossed out. And then at the bottom it said, your love, John 13, 35. And there, it was trying to make a point. And some of the words, I, some of the words probably needed to be crossed out. But first off, they, they short-circuited the, the whole verse anyway because it says your love for one another, right? So your love for one another is what defines us. So disciples loving one another, followers of Christ loving one another, that's, that's the true meaning of that verse. But then it had some words in it that I didn't think needed to be crossed out. In fact, it kind of bothered me that it crossed them out because if we don't have those things at play, we never get to the love of Christ to give to one another. So it, it crossed out our righteousness, it crossed out our theology. They, they won't know us, and they're right, they won't know us by our theology. They won't know us by our righteousness. They won't know us by our holiness. But if we don't have those first, they'll never know us by the love that we have for one another. Brothers and sisters, our love for one another starts in good, solid, right teaching of the word of God. We must hear the word that we can then express the word. In our words and our deeds. 
Don't be misled. A removal of doctrine and a removal of the righteousness that we have received from Christ disarms the gospel that empowers our love for one another. It, 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 it removes, it takes away the power from the work of God. We must hear His word if these things are going to be true. And if we have truly heard His word, these things will be true. Because that's the natural response, that's a natural result, that's the fruit that's born out of the life of the heart that's truly heard the word of God. He goes on, the heart that truly hears God's word grows exponentially in God's word. Verse 18, take care then how you hear. Be careful how you listen. For the one who has more will be, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. I say this carefully. Please. Please know I'm not trying to be condemning. But if you believe you're sitting stagnant in your faith, you are being deceived. It will either grow or it will die. And some point will be taken away. There is no middle ground. The temporary soils, the superficial hearer, the, the preoccupied hearer, they had it. Seemingly, by all appearances, they had it. There is no stagnation. Be careful how you hear. You are responsible to hear the word of God. Be careful how you hear. The heart that truly hears God's word is given a new identity by God's word. Verse 19, his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And, and he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God, who have truly heard it and do it. This is not some superficial change in our life. This is the very core of who we are. This is our identity. This is not, this is not something that just is, is superficial. This is from the, outside, or from the inside, from the depths of our heart to the outside. Paul makes this a point repeatedly in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5, he says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Talking about God's power, his grace and his mercy to make us from being dead to being alive. By grace you have been saved. Skip down to verse 12 of, of Ephesians chapter 2. The verses are on the screen. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh and dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The beautiful picture of how the gospel doesn't just unite us to God, but binds us together. 
And he came and he preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are no longer dead. We are alive after hearing the tr truly hearing the word of God. We are no longer distant, but we are brought close. We are no longer aliens, but we are citizens. We are saints and citizens and members of God's household. We are his family. We, he is our brother, and God is our father. We belong to his household because we have access to, because we have, we have access to him. We have hope because of him. We have peace because of him, and we have eternal life because of him. This is no small or, or something we just add on to the rest of life. This is something that changes us from the inside out, from the very core of who we are. It doesn't diminish that he had a family in this life. But it teaches us that God's family is not bound together by DNA or bloodlines. But by truly hearing the word of God. Truly hearing the word of God such that it leads us to do something different in our life. In fact, that brings us to the last point that the heart that truly hears God's word believes and obeys God's word. I was speaking with some someone recently, sharing the gospel and talking about my perspective on, uh, well, not my perspective, but the perspective the word of God builds out for us in uh, homosexual marriage. Trying to share the gospel through this, and this person confronted me and said, yeah, I don't, don't want to be, I don't want to be harsh, I don't want to be hurtful to you, but, but man, it really sounds like you are preaching a, a, a religion of works. The reality was that this person totally missed the point. Because I have heard the word. Because I have truly heard the word. Because I believe the word. I, I then live in obedience to the word. Obedience and legalism are two totally different things. Even though on the outside looking in they might look very similar. Legalism is me proving myself, making myself acceptable, demonstrating righteousness in my own power. Obedience is the result of the power of God through his word in my life. I can't help but do what I do because I love my God who has saved me. And I hate the things that I do that bring dishonor and discredit his glory. And see, the reality is if we don't obey it, then we obviously don't believe it. James, chapter 1, verse 21 through 25, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. The implanted word. What a beautiful reference back to this parable. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We'll stop there. Be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. The word of God is powerful, but only produces eternal life in the heart that truly hears. Let's pray. Father, I would just ask you in this moment that you'd make something I said a minute ago just untrue. 
I would, I would ask and I would plead with you by the power of the Spirit that there wouldn't be a person in this room that wouldn't have heard your word. Truly heard it. That they would be given life as a result of it. I would pray and ask that you would till up the hard ground. That you would remove the rocks and the, the weeds and the thorns. That you'd get them out of the way. That your word would fall deep into our hearts. And transform us. Make us alive. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.